the biggest stories from the pages of the London Free Press and LFPress.com. This is the London Free Press Podcast with your host, Lindsay Barnett. Welcome back to the London Free Press Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us once again. So much on the go, as always, in the pages of the London Free Press and, of course, over at lfpress.com. I'm really excited once again to be joined by London Free Press reporter Jane Sims. You're not only a reporter, you also do opinion pieces in the London Free Press, which is actually why we are here today talking. How are you doing today? I'm good, Lindsay. It's good to see you. It's so great to see you. Thank you for your time. You wrote a fantastic but harrowing piece on our local Olympian um, who is on the, not necessarily on the other side of COVID-19, but had contracted it back in April, and now he's still feeling the side effects. So First of all, let's talk about Alex and his story and kind of give me the background of what happened before we get into the new stuff he is experiencing. Well, I have to tell you, the reason I I called Alex and it was a discussion with my editors is that that I think sometimes we lose sight of the ball here. Right. So so um, we've had over the past month, as everyone knows, in London, in Middlesex, London, and across the province, of course, this incredible fourth wave where we're seeing a lot of deaths, a lot of younger people who are dying. I, I, you know, in the last seven days, I think I saw a stat that there was 155 uh, people over 60 who died and and 44 under 60. And that's terrible. Every death is a tragedy. Um, And I got thinking, you know, the randomness of, of this virus. We've reported on, on Alex before, but I thought let's, we should maybe check in with him and see how he's doing. So he's at home, he's recovering, but even for an Olympic athlete, a gold medalist in, in, in bobsleigh in 2018, he is, he is experiencing kind of the weird stuff that comes after COVID, the post COVID stuff. For him, what's happened is that he, started to experience a lot of pain, a pain in his leg, a pain so incredible that he couldn't put any weight on it. Uh, and then it was in his chest and in his back. And it, it got so intense that last week he went back to the hospital and they did a battery of tests and a CT scan showed that he had blood clots. And this is one of those things that comes with COVID. He had blood clots all over his lungs and air bubbles. And it's from this intense coughing is causing the air bubbles and the and, and but this these these blood clots are are not deep. They're they're he called them I think superficial. They are treatable, um, but they're painful. And they're you know it's going to be a little while before they're going to clear themselves out. He's on blood thinners. He's he's on he he is he has a puffer. He's taking over the counter pain medication when he needs it. But what it shows is that this can hit anybody. And if it hits you, it's the, the post time from having the virus can be absolutely harrowing. And even for a guy who's probably one of the fittest people in London, let's, let's be clear, someone who knows his body, knows how, how it reacts. And yet he was still, you know, felled by this, um, with an intensity that we can't even come close to understanding. And it's another 
indication to say, you know, we're not all safe here, right? You know, we've had in this community, you know, every time the stats are posted on the Middlesex London uh, uh, Health Unit's website and you look at the deaths, I mean, I have been, um, I've been watching for people in their 50s and we're seeing that. And of course, last week we had that, that absolutely tragic case of an 18 year old um, who, you know, we don't know a lot about what's going on there in terms of what happened, but my goodness, he was 18 and it was a virus. And, you know, we're, we're working to get everybody vaccinated and we know vaccines work, but I, you know, people like Alex, who's 31, people like that young man, Owen Brandy, who's 18, they weren't, they're not on the list yet to get, to get back, to get vaccinated. And uh, it just tells you how much we need to get this pushed through and how everyone needs to step up and get something put into their arm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think something that's really resonated with me is the keyboard warriors who have been the number one proponent of saying, well, if you're young and healthy, chances are you won't have symptoms. So those of you listening who aren't super familiar or maybe missed the article on Alex, as Jane mentioned, 31-year-old Olympian in London, he had been on business travel with his partner. He believes he contracted the virus through Toronto Pearson International Airport. His business partner had a mild side effects, so to speak, loss of smell, taste, nothing like what Alex experienced. Now I'm Alex's age, I'm 31 years old. And reading this article was alarming, Jane. There's a line in here. I thought to myself, what is this fresh hell? That's how excruciating the pain was for an Olympic athlete. And I'd like to believe I take care of my body. I am nowhere near an elite Olympic athlete. So this is scary. And as you mentioned, an 18-year-old, just absolutely devastating. So I think that's the thing to remember that yes, vaccines are ramping up, but we don't know. It's like Russian roulette. We do not know how this is going to hit, how it's going to affect you. Every single person is different. Now you just talked a lot about the superficial clots that Alex is dealing with. Blood clots is something that's been thrown around a lot with regards to vaccines. So we got to talk about AstraZeneca because the last 12 hours have been a little chaotic with the announcement that Ontario no longer administering first dose of AstraZeneca. I have to know you got the AstraZeneca vaccine. How did you (laughs) How did you feel watching that press conference yesterday? I was never eligible for it. I was so frustrated and like my heart bleeds for people in this position now of who actually stepped up did their part did as they were told to help lessen the effects and the spread of this virus and now you got to be thinking well now what yeah yeah and I I, I have to tell you I had my meltdown last week I had my meltdown after after Nacy came out uh, and uh and talked about preferred vaccines and how uh, one of the big wigs with them said they wouldn't even give it to their own sister. And, and uh, you know, I think I went through all the, you know, the five stages of grief, let's say, uh-huh. <laughs> including being a little bit hysterical about the whole thing. But do I have regrets? Yeah, I'm not gonna say I'm, I don't, okay? Just simply because you, you don't know, you don't know what's gonna happen. And, and, but at the time I made that decision, um, it was the right thing to do. And, and I think we have to think back. I mean, at the time I was writing about a whole lot of people, including friends of mine, who were traveling to Windsor and getting appointments because they were so 
um, anxious about what was happening and they wanted to have a shot. And if you, re if you recall, as that pilot program was ramping up in Windsor-Essex and Kingston and Toronto, the numbers were starting to go up again. And for a lot of people over the age of 60, you know, many active, uh, healthy seniors who haven't seen their grandchildren in a year, haven't been able to hug them. This seemed like a really, really good alternative to be able to go and at least I can say I've got one vaccine. My decision was a little bit different. Um, I did for a moment say, oh, well, I'm at home. You know, really, do I need to do this? You know, is it really a, you know, but I'm, but what resonated in my mind was get the first shot you're eligible for, right? Yeah. I'm 57 years old. I was right in the wheelhouse. I had advocated for our AstraZeneca to come to London. Um, and I thought it was a good thing. And, you know, when I signed up, honestly, I thought there'll be so many people clamoring for this. They'll never get to me. I got, I got on the list. I got to do this the first week through Rexall. So I went and got it done. Um, and I, you know, and I had the side effects. I was, I, I was sick for 48 hours. Um, and, and then of course, then we start getting all of this, this controversy, which was starting to be whispered before this all happened, but was really starting to ramp up. I think the worry now for those of us who are, who've had the shot for quite a while, and I will tell you on Friday will be my 28 days since I've had the shot. So I will be out of blood clot risk territory. So they say, um, it's what's now, what's next? What do we do? Um, unlike, you know, people like my husband who got a Pfizer shot, um, who knows what his next dose is going to be and when he's going to get it and what it's going to look like for him. I don't know. Right. And as for my children, my children are young adults. I want them to get Pfizer. So, but for me, I'm in a little bit, there's a big question mark. And here's the question marks for me. Uh, will there be second AstraZeneca shots? Do I want a second AstraZeneca shot? Um, do I want a second Pfizer shot? Is that safe? And we know that there is a study coming out of the UK this month that, that we hope will give us some pretty good data about it. The whispers that I'm hearing is that actually there's, there is some opinions out there that in fact, mixing the two types of vaccine will in fact give you better protection. I'm kind of counting on that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but if I go get a Pfizer shot, does that mean I have to wait now and get a second Pfizer shot? Um, there's just so much uncertainty, not just for those of us who went and got AstraZeneca in the last couple of weeks, but also for those of us who got AstraZeneca a month, two months ago. We don't know where our future lies. Now, was it the right thing to do? Yeah, it was the right thing to do. Let's, let's think about it. Middlesex London at the time that I got the shot was almost at 200 cases a day, which was outrageous, right? Yeah. The province yeah. was running several thousand cases a day. Uh, the variants, we haven't even talked about the variants, right? Um, which, you know, in Alex Copez's case, he got, he got good old fashioned COVID. But most of the COVID that's coming through right now in, in London, Ontario is very much the UK variant. I mean, there's very little of the original COVID now that is circulating through, including the Brazilian variant, by the way, which we should be aware of. I did it because I thought that that's what I needed to do, not only to protect myself, my family, and the rest of the community. The more people vaccine, vaccinated, the better we're off we're gonna be. So 
here we sit now. David Williams comes out yesterday and says, oh, well, you know, what was it? Six, one case every 60,000. Yes. Yeah. Those odds are still pretty good. And, you know, I think your odds of getting COVID are still much, much higher. So, um, yeah, I, I, I know that there's probably a lot of people going through what I went through <laughs> last week. Um, but I, I, you know, we knew there was going to be risks, right? We knew that as we go through this and we, you know, none of us, I think I put this in a column, you know, we didn't even know what an mRNA and a viral vector vaccine was a year ago. And now we're like sort of boutique shopping for vaccines. And, and we were told not to do that. So um, I, I am anxious to see what that report says when it comes out uh, um, of the UK. And I'm anxious to see what the advice is going to be from local health professionals. I feel really badly, not only for those of us who are, are grappling with this, but you know, there's a whole bunch of family doctors here in town who thought they were doing the right thing. They, they called their patients in and said, listen, I got the vaccine on in. And I am sure, I know that they stand by what they did, but man, that must be really really devastating for them. Well, Dr. Chris Mackey yesterday on Twitter too, he just kept reiterating, we're waiting for more information where like, it was almost like the biggest sucker punch, I think to a lot of family doctors, heads of health units. And now all of a sudden everybody's scrambling and you've got people like you over 800,000 Ontarians who took the AstraZeneca vaccine, who are probably just a little beside themselves. And I don't blame anybody because this is, this is really scary. On the other side of the coin, I saw a really interesting tweet from a man who said he had been on a three-week waiting list to get the AstraZeneca, finally got an appointment at a pharmacy. Well, the pharmacist calls last night. His appointment was for today. Your appointment's been canceled. You can now, you're eligible to apply for an appointment for Pfizer or Moderna. Well, he gets on Twitter and he's like, it's going to be another three to four weeks before I can get my first shot. We're looking at almost two months and he's out in the public working. And he said, why as an adult can I not make the decision? We still have like 47,000 doses of AstraZeneca, I believe in the province that are just going to be dumped. Should we not be giving people the option if they want, if they've made an educated decision, one in 60,000, again, it's awful if you are the one, but those odds, like, what do you do? And yeah, he's, and, he's right, know, I felt bad for him. It's, it's all risk reward, right? So, so, you know, as a woman, as a 57 year old woman, my risk is actually a little bit more than let's say a 57 year old guy, right? Right. And I think those odds are worse for those of us for, for women, and we've seen that, right? So, um, but you know, I have a pile of friends, right? I have a lot, I don't a ton of people who went and got it. I, you know, you and I both saw those lineups in front of pharmacies, like people wanted the, wanted to get vaccinated. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I you know, it, I know we had to expect things to be rolled out. The rollout was going to be a bit chaotic because we never had to do it, right? Um, and for the, the, the guy that you speak of, the one thing that he can maybe hold on to is the fact that case, the case counts are going down, that there is a clearly something's working here. And I would say it's vaccinations. Absolutely. So again, the more, you know, those of us on team AZ, we did the right thing because actually you're watching the rates coming down and there's, there's 800,000 people 
who got a vaccine that could be that helped in bringing those numbers down. You have to feel good about that. It's just the uncertainty now. And, and you know, we hear all these clinical things all the time, the clinical things from the doctors about like, you know, the preferred vaccine. And, and I watched the beginning of, the, of that press conference yesterday and Dr. Williams came out and said, oh, okay, well now we're gonna stop it because of this. And it was very flat and, you know, and, and, and for the medical community, they're able to, to, to hack that off in a way that they can be, you know, not so emotional about it as those of us who rolled up our sleeve and had something put in our arms, right? Dr. Mackey, Dr. Mackey said to me last week when I was having a meltdown, he said, well, what were you gonna do, get COVID? Right? Yeah. Like, well, so, and, and that stopped me in my tracks. I, I don't want COVID. I don't wanna bring it into this house, Yeah. right? And, and that was your option at that moment. Do I wish I had mRNA? Absolutely. I wish I did. I wish they had. They could have rolled out the Pfizer shot at the beginning of April and we all would have been fine. But now we're faced with something with like this. You have a vaccine that is keeping you protected. You can look at the numbers at the UK where like what, 65, 68% of the people got AZ. Their numbers have absolutely created as far as caseload. And you are protected right now. And there'll be a solution. My only thing is, and, and it's an old, my own personal angst is that I am ready to go. I am done. I want to go travel. I want to cross a border. I want to get in the car and drive. I want to go see my mom. You know, I need to know what fully, what my full vaccination is going to look like. And, you know, that's what they have to solve for me now. It's more uncertainty, but again, I, I was talking to a mom yesterday. She had gotten the AstraZeneca because she said my 18 year old son works at a grocery store. So if it, if I can get AstraZeneca and that frees up a Pfizer or Moderna shot for him, then as a mom, I can live with that. And you're a mom. So thank you for getting the AstraZeneca because you have absolutely made a difference. Anybody who's listening, who has any hesitancies or uncertainties, know what you're feeling is absolutely normal and it's okay, but you did the right thing. And I'm hoping we get some more answers and more clarity in the coming days and weeks. And like you said, we've got the report coming to us from the UK and their numbers have been fantastic. It's like, it's like a glimmer of hope. Cause much like you, Jane, I miss my mom, my mom, my, my mom, my dad. I like, I haven't seen my family. Um, mm -hmm. All these events, Christmases and Thanksgivings and Easter's birthdays, I'll never get this time back. Um, but I think the thing to focus on is we are so, so close. So thank you so much for your insight today and your time. And we could just keep talking about this because I know there's so much to talk about, but we'll be back again next Thursday with another podcast. If you've missed any of the other episodes, you can find a Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, of course, over at lfpress.com. Until we talk again, Jane, stay well. And I hope you get you some too. answers. You too. Thank you. Vaccine's here. Yes, we're so close. Uh, yeah. We'll talk again next week. Until then, stay well.